Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Son of a Ginger podcast. I am the uploaded digital consciousness of Mason Moreau. And I am the uploaded digital consciousness of Patrick Baylor. And today we are reviewing season four of the acclaimed hit series, Black Mirror. Bleep, blorp, bleep. Yes, bleak. Bleak mirror. Oh, no, I was just saying bleep, bloop, blop, you know, like a, oh. a robot. That's uh, that's how they talk, I hear. Is it? Heck if I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, well, let's jump into it. My best friend is a robot, so I know a lot about robots. Hmm. It, like, became a kind of bad Donald Trump impression. <laughs> I I have a lot of mirrors. I love lots of mirrors. I think Steve Bannon would make a very good, convincing Black Mirror bad guy. I mean, he he just looks like a bad guy. He is a bad guy. He looks like someone who'd be pulling a USS Callister. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's an episode from Black Mirror season four. He's got like Hillary Clinton and uh, Bernie Sanders like piloting a steam engine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, I think now you're getting ahead because I think you really want to talk about it. So let's talk about it instead of talking politics. Ugh. Okay. Well, this uh, this season, this season, did it have the most episodes out of any Black Mirror season? Yeah. No. Uh, no. I think did season three also have uh, six episodes? Let me look. Season three also had six episodes. Uh, okay. Yes. So no. Uh, but this one had a lot of stories. That's what. Oh, well, that, that's what. Every- I, think, <laughs> I think we've sort of come to expect that Black Mirror will have a lot of stories. Lots of stories. I think what I love about Black Mirror, or like I love Black Mirror because it is sort of like our generation's Twilight Zone. Totally. You know, on the roster this year or this season were some pretty heavy hitters, and I liked the promo going up leading into the season because they created sort of posters and branding behind every episode instead of sort of advertising it as a season. It was advertised as individual stories, Uh which I found really cool. I bet I would find that really cool, except I have started just kind of swearing off trailers and Mm -hmm. and promo material like such because I really do want to go in and surprised. And I'll tell you what, I'm very glad I did. Uh, I had no idea what any of these episodes were about uh, going in. Like, and we'll, we can begin talking about it. Like, USS Callister was the only one I had kind of an idea of. Uh, USS Callister is the first episode of season four. It stars Jesse Plemons, uh, Kristen Milotti, Jimmy Simpson, Kayla Cole, Billy Magnuson. A lot of, like, uh, like Mason said, a lot of heavy hitters. Uh, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, very, very briefly. Um, what was when was he in the episode? He was in the very end, and we'll get to it when it comes to it. Oh, I think I remember this. He he is the one who like he cusses out the yeah. He just uses the, his uh, his bi- bitch yeah Breaking Bad voice. Yeah, you know, got you. Um, yeah, see the the USS Callister did have a lot of good actors in it, and when I saw it, like you didn't watch the promotional material. No, so but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll eat. When I saw the 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 trailer for USS Callister, I was like, "Oh, they're just like ripping off Star Trek. Like, what is this?" Because they really don't reveal anything about it. They they just show the captain with his bridge crew, and so it, should, it I was like, "Okay, well, they're they're just sort of doing a knockoff Star Trek story. Like, that's sort of cheap, right?" Yeah. But then I don't know why I underestimated Black Mirror at all. You know, like. It definitely definitely became something way more uh, impactful. Well, then I'm guessing it didn't matter that I avoided it then if the reveal was that... The big reveal, so obviously we're getting into spoilers and stuff. Uh, the big reveal was uh, in this episode, there is a, uh, a CTO, like a, a designer for this game company that uh, has his own version of his game where you, it's like an uploaded consciousness video game type of thing. And in his modded version, it's he's in the setting of like his favorite TV show, which is essentially Star Trek, but it's not Star Trek. Uh, and then he just kind of goes through 
all of the the wacky, silly adventures of so. But yeah, it it is Star Trek. You're just like, like you know that they just don't want to say Star Trek because, for whatever reason, it, yeah, like they couldn't get the license. It'd be too on its head. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. and it's fun because it starts out very fun. It starts out cool, yeah, awesome. Star Trek, uh, Star Trek homage, homage, homage. It's it's another episode where I mispronounce stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but and then and then you know then we are plunged out of that and into the office that he works at, where he's this disrespected, uh, taken for granted uh, guy, and he's the boss of a lot of people, but everyone just kind of treats him really crappy and then we see the big black mirror twist of that all of uh, the coworkers that he doesn't like very much their their consciences are duplicated into his his own modded video game which means they are straight up like clones or copies and act the same way as their live counterparts and they're aware that He's... yeah He's basically got a digital dollhouse filled with people that have done him wrong. Yes. Uh, which is which is crazy, and um, you know you feel bad for the character when you're when in the real life scenes, and then you you uh, think he's like an asshole villain in the Callister scenes, which has this 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 cool sort of a uh, tug of war, like moral tug of war. Because you're like, everyone in real life sort of treats him like shit, so is he justified in treating these people like shit on the inside, or, like... Because they're real people. Or, like, they're the downloaded versions of real people. Just like uh, Mm -hmm. you and I are the uploaded consciousnesses of podcast hosts Patrick Baylor and Mason Moreau. You know, it's tough. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's tough knowing that the real me's out there when I'm stuck here. Um, recording podcasts for him. Uh, but I guess to continue summarizing, do you want to do you want to take the summarizing uh, ship, if you will? Oh yeah, yeah. So so that's the premise. Basically, uh, he has a crush on this new hire, and uh, he decides to put her in the game. And she's has a little bit of spunk. She's you know she's a little she's a go getter. Yeah, and she so, really admires him. Oh yes, yes. She she um. She believes that he's a very talented programmer in real life. Mm-hmm. She she has uh, a lot of respect for his tech and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he eventually starts to like push her away, sort of when she she reveals to another coworker while he's eaves- eavesdropping that uh, she's not interested in him romantically at all or whatever. So he steals her DNA off a coffee cup, puts her in it, and she uh, starts hatching this plan to sort of escape from his torture essentially and they like they do they do escape it's a happy ending black mirror episode those are few and far between and uh the the cto i forget his name the cto's consciousness is left stuck in this little subsection of the game he created robert daly played by jesse plemons robert daly played by uh dollar store Matt Damon <laughs> <laughs> did you come up with that yeah well that's a great comparison I mean at least based on looks yeah based on looks I mean like he he has his own roles that have been pretty significant I mean like he was in Breaking Bad he, Fargo he was Murph and like Mike okay <laughs> don't what? don't forget that he was the bully and like Mike he was giving Bow Wow a lot of crap Oh my god! That's that's how I was first introduced. I don't to know Jesse how you Parkinson. remember this. I don't know how you remember because I love IMDb and I'm on it way too much. <laughs> um. Okay. But so, like, the the big message, I like. So that's the, that's the thing of Black Mirror. What did you what did you take away from this episode? Uh, I don't know if I did. I took away that maybe like. I need to gather. I need to gather my thoughts on this episode. I'll I'll tell you how I felt. Um, I thought this was it was like I guess like, like a good commentary on gaming and gamer culture. You know that's what it is. Uh, and 
it, it's it's hard to like take a big philosophical thing just on the, off the back of your head. I agree, uh, but I'd say it says that you should, I guess, be wary that there are actual people on the other end of your video game. You know, like if you're on an online multiplayer, so I don't think it's like saying don't 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 bully people, don't say mean stuff. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that, that's that's not what I'm going for either. Well, yeah, I, it's, so, uh, branching off of that, video games are sort of uh, society sort of uh, sees them in one regard as a haven for the socially awkward. Uh huh. And so that I feel like that's where the seed was planted for the idea for this episode, where it's like this guy who created the video game that everyone interfaces with. Everyone goes in and has a blast with it, but you know he really maybe created it to uh ease some of his or to he created his own dream he created his dream but it, the dream he had was a little bit skewed because he uh can't deal with his problems in the real world the way he wants to so he takes them digitally yeah uh and uh, it, and it makes you i guess like wonder the uh the ramifications if someone is like like, who actually is behind the video game and, like, why they're doing it? Because, you know, someone could just be playing Grand Theft Auto because they love racing games and they love stuff. But then someone also could be playing Grand Theft Auto because they do want to rob stores and slap people on the street and shoot shoot up cars and stuff because that that's, like, some deep, deep-seated deep urge that of stuff that they want to do. You know, like, there's the deep-seated urge in uh, Jesse Plemons' character that he wants to... Yell at his uh, yell at his coworkers or yell at his boss the whole time, and then he he doesn't, but then he does so in his own little modded video game. Mm-hmm. It's it, it. How much escapism is too much escapism? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was. So yeah, yeah. Um, and it also you know it's like treat people the way you would want to be treated. Basically, you know, I mean, like if someone's socially awkward, don't don't try and like swish them under the rug or you know, push them under the rug or yeah, man. Uh, Golden pay rule. no attention to them you know yeah exactly i mean that is sort of what it goes back to for me if i'm trying to if i'm trying to glean any lessons from the episode i think it'd be uh you know treat people who are maybe less inclined to uh socialize or be a part of a, a bigger group and in and inject themselves into social situations treat them better mm-hmm. also um, don't underestimate Kristen Malati because she's great yeah very underrated actress she she was great as the uh, the mother and how I met your mother and then she was mm-hmm. great in this and I don't know she's in other stuff I've sadly not watched her in it but she was in the Wolf of Wall Street yes she was and I liked her in that too mm-hmm. she, she played Leo's uh, wife number one right yeah Speaking of female actresses, the uh, second episode in this season generated a lot of buzz around it because it was directed by a female actress, Miss Jodie Foster. She's a director. Oh, a female director, Don't but get she's it. also an actress. Don't get it twisted, boy. She's. A, she. I'm sure she's a talented director. I mean, that, honestly, that's what I know her from of this generation of, of at least of my generation, and what she's done. That's in the last 10 years that have been notable is directing, I think. Silence of the Lambs? But no, she didn't direct that. When, did that. when did that come out? That was like in the 90s, man. Oh, yeah. The last 10 years, you're right. Yeah. Uh, what What other thing that j- did she direct? We'll talk about stuff that she directed later. Let's talk the thing about yeah. the thing that she directed this so, year. Archangel, this episode. Um, I was hyped for it because I... Uh, it, like as far as I know, it's the first like directorial collaboration between uh, the head writer of Black Mirror and uh, a famous person, or you know, someone someone of note. And so, uh, I had high hopes for it. I was a little disappointed. I found the episode to be slightly predictable. I'd say this was a classic Black Mirror episode. Yeah, like if you wanted to show someone. Oh yeah, what's Black Mirror like? What's Black Mirror about? I would sh- and of this season, I would show them this episode. 
you know it's you know it's still very near future some kind of technology is presented uh technology doesn't work out well it affects the the main characters of the story to create the rest of the story so yeah very predictable because i yeah. i just explained or yeah like gave a general explanation about probably like five other black mirror episodes you know mm-hmm. if not all of yeah, them yeah i mean it, it has that sort of three act black mirror structure where it's technology introduced uh ways technology could possibly go wrong uh are introduced and then technology goes wrong and the technology that goes wrong in this episode is uh an archangel marie is a played by rose marie rosemary rosemary God, i keep doing it rosemary dewitt uh, she is a helicopter parent, helicopter mom that uh, injects her daughter Sarah, played by Brenna Harding, with a uh, essentially like a tracker, but like a very high tech tracker in her head after her daughter like gets lost. And this thing has has all the bells and whistles that a helicopter parent would want. It's got uh, yes. it's got GPS tracking. Uh, it has video connection. To what her daughter is seeing, she gets notifications if like her daughter's heart rate goes up, other things that happen. And the most important one, the ability to censor real life. The ability to what? The, the ability to put censorships on real life. Yes, that was the big cool one. Uh, that yeah, that's I mean, that's the most mind fuckery one of all of the features of the thing is because. Uh, and it, that's that's the one that really starts to screw up her daughter the most is the the like having not being having not having been able to see things and be exposed to things while being while growing up and uh and st- basically the mom takes the path of she like mothers now have a choice of choosing to just opt out of showing their uh, kids anything that uh they don't want them to see and not having the kids see it and explaining to them why it's bad or why why for whatever reason they should they shouldn't be seeing that or you know you know what i'm saying yes uh yeah it's it's an ideal situation for a helicopter parent like i said and but that's and that's the thing like because there's a sensor the censorship it kind of shows how it affects the daughter for such a long period of time that she's not seen some kind of scary stuff that you need to develop. You know, like, that's why, like, be, if you see some scary stuff, you know, oh, that's scary. I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to get out of my way. Like, if I see a if I see a hot stove, I'm not going to put my hand on it because I know it's hot because I'm sure there, when I was a kid, put my hand near one one, one time, ah, burn my hand. Kind of kind of shows what uh, the censorship this shows uh and so yeah like i said we see how this technology that's embedded in uh sarah's head affects her development as she goes from being a like a four-year-old to like a 10-year-old to a 15-year-old mm-hmm. and yeah so you sort of see the arc of uh, a child with a helicopter parent in a normal situation happen on a much grander scale where once she's given like the least bit of freedom, she's all of a sudden running away with it and, you know, taking whatever she can get and, you know, not sort of heeding her mother's advice because growing up to this point, her mother's advice kept her sheltered from so many things that she, this, this just wedge just starts being driven between this uh, mother and her child, and and we'll finish the summary because I want to really get to like the meaning of this. Uh, but yeah, so what what eventually happens is uh, the technology doesn't end up working out like it was when it was initially embedded. The doctors said, "Oh yeah, this is going to be big next year. The FDA is about to approve it," uh, and like she was on a test trial, didn't get approved, uh, but was still in the kid. Like there was no way to get it out, so. You know, she still gets censored, but then, like, around 10, her mom decides to finally turn it off. Let her kid learn a little bit. But, yeah, she has a skewed development in that she almost kind of veers toward the dangerous and the new because it's because it's so new and exciting. 
You know, mm-hmm. she freaking tries out coke and stabs her. She was so I. The thing I did like about this episode is the fact that, uh, you know, she she doesn't have a father, so already she's like lacking the male role model. Mm-hmm. And then when she finally gets the sensor turned off, this kid just plops an iPad iPad down in front of her, and he's like, "Okay, so this is porn, and this is what violence is, and this is all this." And then when he comes back later, when she's fifteen, she she immediately gravitates towards him because he's the one who had been who had filled in all those gaps that have been left by this this technology. Yeah, and that was like I guess, and that was her only like I guess male influence as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that developed some ideas, and that that's played by Owen Teague. He's he's a great bad boy, like. Yeah, he he definitely looked the part. He he's done so in Bloodline and I think a few other things. Uh, if mm. anyone's watched Bloodline, no one watched Bloodline. That's why they stopped making it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, so what I really like about this episode, uh, be, is that it makes I don't know helicopter parents wary, like show that. Sometimes your kids need to, you know, get through the stuff. Like, I feel like especially as parent, like, as people our age start to become parents, they, or, or you know, people a little bit older than us, they freak out because it's a scary world, and uh, it's way easier to know about the scariness of the world. So you want to kind of censor your kids with, like, the ignorance is bliss thing. Yeah. You know, I found I found the technology explored in this episode to be pretty fascinating. Uh but the story itself, I like I said earlier, I found pretty predictable. Yeah. Um you know, I kind of I kind of could tell oh, you know, she she's probably going to rebel somehow, mm-hmm. maybe do drugs or something. And then uh it's ultimately going to end in a confrontation. With the mother and the daughter. Which it did, because... <clears throat> which it did. Homegirl slapped mom with that iPad. Oh, yeah, she beat her. To, it, there was there was some poetic justice there, I guess. Poetic justice? The mom was, like, beaten with the thing that removed her daughter from her in the first place. So that, that, was, like, I, so that was, like, a cool, like, story circle. What's, ellipsis is the word I meant to use. Mm. Um, good Good word. Yes. Not circle, circle around. Uh, but was Mason? Did you have helicopter parents? Um, I would say that I did not have helicopter parents. I'd say my parents were perfectly like fine with with like letting me go out on my own eventually, and you know. But my mom did have a tracker on my phone that she would watch. And so that that's where I sort of related that to that aspect of it, sort of, because I was like, well, this is like, imagine if my mom had access to this when I was growing up and not just a little thing that tells her where my iPhone's been. I'll tell you what, if this existed now uh, or like if this existed uh, seven years ago or 10 years ago, my dad would be all about it. My dad was definitely a helicopter parent. Uh it, it it was helpful, but I would say sometimes I wish I kind of you know got into the into the bad stuff uh, though. But like that's that's, that's growing <laughs> up, man. I don't know. I want to do bad things, Dad. Come on, I want to do hood rat stuff with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I showed him that video the other day. He had really enjoyed it. That was well, that's funny. that was just me crying for help. You know who also cries for help are the people in Crocodile. Well, first of all, especially what, that like, hamster. What? So you liked Archangel, right? Yes. Did you like that segue? Okay. The attempted segue? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I dug Archangel. I thought it was... I thought Archangel was okay. I thought it was predictable, but fascinating. Totally. Cool. On the Crocodile. Yes, on the Crocodile, episode three of season four. If you say Crocodile, you just have to say it in an Australian accent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> crocodile. Crocod- it's a good way to say. Crocodile Hunter. How'd you fe- Crocodile. How did you Crocky. feel about this one? What happens in this one, Mason? So in this one, uh, it, the episode opens with a with two ravers, and they're driving back home, and they they live in like 
Iceland or Green, like they they live in the northern, maybe probably the northern UK. I would say I don't, I'm not sure where they live, but they live in a very snowy, mountainous region. And uh, they're driving home, and they they've been clubbing all night, and they run over a biker, and they have an argument over what should happen because he's dead, and they decide to just wrap him up in a sleeping bag and drop him into the free, freezing lake, uh, and never tell anyone about it again. And so, the episode's really all about the girl in this situation. Uh, A couple years later, she's a successful architect. She has a husband and a kid. And um, the guy she was with that day sort of comes back into her life and says, Hey, the guilt's riding on me. I'm uh, I'm going to write a letter to this person's family and all this stuff. And then she murders him. Uh, in her hotel room. Yes. As and uh, as it what uh, it be- it becomes a. Uh... So it, like, basically, this whole episode is a, uh, a threat is a string of murders committed by this one woman to sort of save herself from uh, from being caught for her her original murder and threatening her way of life because uh, Mia Mia Nolan played by Andrea Riceborough she is like this big tech head honcho and everything and seems like she's she's living the good life she's got a couple kids got a got a nice husband and one kid oh i don't remember um, yeah <laughs> i apologize uh sorry you're all right man <laughs> sorry um so uh but what yeah what else happens basically uh there's also this woman who has this machine that interfaces with people's memories to sort of replay the uh, events of a crime scene for insurance purposes. Mm-hmm. And uh, she eventually, or she she starts investigating an accident that happens with an automated pizza delivery robot that happened right outside the hotel room where she, where the main character kills uh, her ex boyfriend. So eventually, she gets a hold of the architect lady. And gets into her memories, witnesses the murder. Architect lady kills her. Uh, architect lady kills her like family. Her blind husband g- kills the the memory lady's family. Her husband, her kid, and then they eventually end up uh, sourcing the memories of a guinea pig to catch this woman murdering people which i found was like the like such a cheap twist yeah it was like did the guinea pig really was the guinea pig really watching the whole time as this went on and i need to breathe really quick that was that was such a concise explanation or uh summary of the the episode um <laughs> well i think uh, it's it's this one of the simpler episodes yeah. of the uh of the season and it's it's meant to be sort of a thrilling uh more of like a horror thriller sort of vibe Mm -hmm. yeah because it's more about the man is is mia gonna get found out is is uh shazia played by kieran sonia sawar who's the the insurance claim person i like she gonna get as an actress i liked her character a lot yeah Um, what, what i what i liked about this episode was that it was essentially, you know, really two main characters, and I liked that it was really two stories that then converged. Like it was just two two different things happening, and you knew it was going to eventually get to to Mia, but it was just kind of like a how type of thing. And it, and I I really liked mm-hmm. what they did in this episode of how they kind of pieced it together because they like they don't immediately go to Mia's like what she saw. Like they go to the person across the street. And say, oh yeah, I saw this person, and then that person, and then it's just a connection of, oh yeah, and then I saw a lady standing out there. She saw it. Yeah, find find out what she saw. Uh, yeah. But with the weird tech in this one, it was kind of cool in that they make it like a little, this one a little bit jankier. Yeah, it's a little more primitive. Uh, you could, I think there's like a conversation that's had about. Uh, maybe it was like invented originally for police use, but is now m- more used for insurance purposes or 
uh, like there's a whole legal thing behind it that they built into the episode. I think they said like it wasn't the m- most reliable, but like it still it still worked. But if, right. if you're trying to get some true, true hard facts, like a police officer was to make someone guilty, then it wasn't worth using. But yeah, if you mm. say, oh yeah, someone bumped bumped me in in the parking lot. But if they or, if they get the memories of the guinea pig, it's completely objective. So yeah, so that was that was a, a weird way to end it. I would say yeah, because they use the technology, and they're like, oh, we can yeah, we can download the guinea pig and what he thought, and what he saw. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely silly. Um, but yeah, what'd you what'd you gain and gather from this, Mason? Kill the guinea pig um, before you kill some random family. Yeah, I, I I gathered that I should cover my tracks, <laughs> and uh, that if I want to cover up killing someone, I should kill some more people. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like, but that's like that's what happens in the episode. Is like, oh, how's she gonna dig herself out of this one? Oh, she's just gonna kill him. She's gonna kill him. I would say this one. Yeah, it was it was very much just a it, it was a real horror movie, and then it's just like. I didn't learn anything from watching uh, Miss Mia because it's just like, hey, maybe don't kill someone initially because then you just think that's an easy way to solve your problems, murder some. Well, yeah, else. I mean, she's she's a very uh, selfish, self-minded, or yeah, selfish person, and uh, that showed through. And she. So what I learned. Her folly was revealed. What I learned is care about people, be a be uh be what's what's the word be accountable for your actions yes if, uh, that that's the real lesson if you if you hit someone with your car on a snowy day or if if a self-driving pizza hut truck hits you tell someone about it and uh if there's an issue don't kill someone over it it's something i think we can all learn yeah it, it definitely it's uh own up to your own mistakes and you won't create like, and it probably won't create as many problems as if you were to just keep living a lie. And bring bring a, a guinea pig home if you think mm-hmm. if you killed the rest of the its family. Have a guinea pig in every room in your house. That way, if someone kills you, they will still be convicted because the guinea pig sees all. Anyway, I think we talked a little too much about this. Yeah. Let's talk about. My favorite, or one of my favorite episodes, I'll I'll tell you now, this is my favorite episode of this season, Uh, Hang the DJ, episode four. Hang the DJ was great. Um, I think I texted you after I watched it and said that it is one of the best love stories I've seen in the past five years. Um, I, I don't watch a whole bunch of romance film so I like I know there's definitely things that are probably better than this but in terms of things I've seen in the past five years this is definitely up there in terms of just like the ups and downs and the beautifully human characters that they have and uh the conversations that they have and the topics it explores and the like overall narrative arc of the story is such such a like a sine wave of ups and downs sine wave i i like that that's that's a good way to describe this episode yeah so uh hang the dj is really the real only nice episode of this season you know uh it was they had one last season with san junipero and so that that i would say nosedive is a nice episode too i mean like it's kind of screwed up but it has a good ending that's true so uh, that's the thing nosedive is like the uss callister that way yeah so but so yeah this one i would compare to san junipero in that it was nice the whole way through it was a great romance story and yeah you, you freaking felt with the characters and those characters are amy and frank played by georgina campbell and joe cole respectively but they are uh in this in this in this place like this neighborhood where uh they have this like little dating dating thing that says hey you gotta go on a date Cool. Now you're on your date. Hey, hey, my date. Let's uh, let's find out how long this uh, relationship's gonna last. And they both pull out their little uh, pod things that they have that tell them, and it'll say twelve hours, three years, 
two days, blah, blah, blah. And then that, that will then just kind of set the course for the upcoming relationship. Now that these people like know the expiration date of it. And then we, we see Amy and Frank on their first date and it's like, Oh, 12 hours. Oh, that stinks. And they really get along. And then, but the 12 hours are up, but they have to go away. And then they like want to see each other again. But then like both of their next relationships that they have are like a year long, nine months long. And you see them like kind of like long for each other during these long ass relationships. You know, the whole episode is sort of uh, like you can tell that these that both of these characters are like hopeful, hopelessly hopeful that they will end up with one another. And so was I the entire time. Yeah. And so you feel that same way. And that's that's uh, what I believe the magic of this episode is that you really are tied into both of these characters and want them to uh, to end up together because it just it it fits like a puzzle piece when they're on screen together. I was truly it needed to. I was truly like rooting in my in my apartment like as I watched this like I was standing up and going, "Yes! Come on! Get get on another date. Yeah, come on." I was very very excited for them, living vicariously through these two. And and then there's a real fun Black Mirror twist, but uh so these guys they do go on another date together once all of their crappy crappy dates end and uh you know, he's Joe or Frank is on his like really long crappy date and then like it ends but then Amy has been on a string of them where they're just like all end 36 hours 36 hours essentially just a bunch of one night stands one after the other no no excitement no uh real personal personableness that's not a word um but you know what I mean yeah she starts saying in the episode that she's sort of uh is just becoming detached from these experiences because she's not having anything of of meaning she's not getting anything of meaning out of uh these 36 hour uh romps that she's having yeah and they like really really doubt themselves and they doubt the app and so we see the doubt but then we see them come back and they agree we're not gonna we're not gonna check the thing we're not gonna check the expiration date eventually he does frank does and then screws some stuff up and then this was the twist that i really love was that they're like, this seems familiar. You know what? Let's just do it. Let's rebel together. And then they rebel, and then they like they leave like this enclosed place that they live in. This like utopian society. Yeah, this utopian society of twenty somethings, twenty and thirty somethings, just dating each other. And then everything like de-digitizes, and then they're like with a bunch of versions of themselves, and then some nice like bubble pops up that says. rebellion rate. Boop, boop, boop. It's a match. And then it goes into real life, and it shows these two at a bar, and they, like, match with each other. And it's like, it was was a dating app the whole time. Whoa. Yeah. And then the the song Hang the DJ by the Yardbirds, I think it is. Hold on, let me look. The song Hang the DJ plays. And uh, I think that it's what it's not on Spotify. What? Anyway, this song "Hang the DJ" plays, and uh, I think like it's the perfect way to to sort of subtly describe what was supposed to happen the whole time in the episode, where there like there's this this system, this software that's orchestrating their lives and they're just supposed to get rid of it like that's their that's their hidden objective they're supposed to hang this they're like hang the dj the thing that is that is sort of um disjockeying their relationship live their love lives they're supposed to get rid of it so i found that tying that in was really cool and then playing the song at the end and then seeing that the two have a 99.8% match or whatever. And then you, you see them meet and you find out that it's actually real life. And you're like, oh, wow, they're like, they're just mean- you feel happy. That, like, they, they more than end up together. They know that they're meant to be together. Yeah, which is cool. And But, like, that's the thing. It, it shows it at the end of, like, oh, it's just a, a Tinder match meeting another Tinder match at the bar that they agreed upon. But th- you know it's going to work out because it worked out 999 
998 times in that simulation. Out of a thousand. Out of a yeah. thousand, yes. But yeah, I mean, I love this episode. I love, I guess, like what you can like kind of think about dating culture, online dating culture. Um, yeah, man, tell me your thoughts. What do you feel about this? Oh uh, yeah, I I love this episode as well. I think it's uh, one of the best Black Mirror episodes. One of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. Um, it yeah, it, like it was a roller coaster of emotion. You love both characters. They're they're both really awesome, and they're awesome together. And the ending pays off. And when the credits started rolling, I had a big old smile on my face. Yep. Overall, it was just a, it was a good piece of like storytelling. It was a good one hour piece of storytelling. It, you know, it it's sort of that it's it's the classic romance story arc still, but with the Black Mirror spin, which I think is good. But then uh, it has that twist at the end where it's uh, you know it's two people fall in love, two people or yeah, two people meet, two people fall in love. Uh, one person makes a mistake, other person gets mad. They end up making up. Yeah. And then uh, getting together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. So, like, th- it had the classic story. But I love, uh, like, I love the message that it told of, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like people might think some dating apps are freaking pointless. And it's stupid. And there's no, there's no personability in it. And it's just numbing. Uh, and this is, like, kind of an interesting take on it. And it's like, oh, hey, it worked out for them. Or, or not even dating dating in general dating can be numbing you know of you're yeah. you're meeting you're meeting a new person over and over again you're telling them your your same same story maybe doing the same stuff and then you know if like dating doesn't go well it's like oh well it seems like this person doesn't like me oh, let's put put the cool nice clothes and the dancing shoes back on let's do it again for another person you know i and i i like what this said of like essentially hang in there hang out with the DJ and dance with your dancing shoes. <laughs> that, was, that was a great uh, connection, right? <laughs> yeah, that's shut up and dance with your dancing shoes to hang the DJ on White Christmas with a white bear. Those are all Black Mirror episode titles. On the USS Callister. <laughs> on the USS Callister. Yeah, but yeah, so I mean, I could I could talk another 30 minutes about this episode, but we don't have time for that. Uh, but Hang the DJ, great, great sewed. Great sewed, bro. Definitely good sewed, dude. Uh, but now let's talk about my least favorite of the season, Metalhead. Metalhead. I, you know, I find it very jarring to, like, I watched all these episodes pretty much back to back. Oh really? Or I, I no, I think I watched them in like two episode, um, like stints. I think I watched these so, in the order that I wanted to watch them. Oh really? I I watched them all in order. So I watched Hang the DJ, and then immediately next was this black and white post-apocalypse thing. This was very. Uh, this episode was very not Black Mirror. Very off, off brand. I thought. Yeah, I you know. I could tell they they were going for something different visually, but ultimately the black and white I sort of felt was made black and white because it might have been easy easier uh, to CGI something, uh, or to, like the CGI costs of just doing a black and white thing for that little dog uh-huh. might have been uh, less. It might not have taken as much to to CGI something into black and white. I might be wrong, but. Uh, Something tells me that it just it would have been easier to make some make that thing look realistic in black and white rather than color. I think this episode existed, uh, so Charlie Brooker could do something a little bit different. Charlie Brooker, the creator, of course, uh, would yeah. do something different, and that is like make it look like a classic horror film. And what I I honestly think the b- black and white makes this uninteresting story look and seem a little bit more interesting. Like yeah, sure. I think I think they really used to spice up a otherwise duller thing, um, but yeah. So what what this one is about? It's I'll just read the description. It's a little bit easier. Uh, in the post apocalyptic uh, post apocalyptic landscape of the Scottish Moors, a woman, Bella, played by Maxine Peake, attempts to survive the land full of cybernetic dogs. 
and there are these cybernetic dogs that I don't know why they're doing it, but they're just chasing down people and killing them. And we see this dog chase down Bella throughout the Scottish Moors, and it's the shortest Black Mirror episode, and I'm kind of happy it was the shortest one, but that's the best way to describe it. So yeah, I'm going to give you a briefer summary of the other one. She runs around for 40 minutes, she ends up in a house, she bleeds out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like... It's it's a chase scene. It uh, really doesn't have any like big universe it's trying to expand on or anything. It's just sort of a um, a post apocalypse sort of thing, sort of like Terminator, I guess, where yeah. these robots are just hunting humans. Ter- Terminators. A chase scene. Terminators a good uh, comparison. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's it's a chase scene between this uh, you know I guess semi conscious robot dog and this fully conscious human person and I, like it's a battle of wits and um like technology versus instinct you know that kind of those are the like the motifs i guess uh, that they explore in this uh-huh. and uh but you know i think it ultimately just fell flat like it just wasn't um it wasn't as thrilling or it wasn't as um engaging as the others because it ultimately or like honestly i feel like i've seen it a million times in other things yeah you know like i guarantee you there was like an episode of walking dead or something where one person was trying to escape a group of zombies that's every episode actually but like you know, I I think that sort of story has overstayed its welcome, and if if this was in maybe season two of Black Mirror, I probably would have liked it more because that just it was just a different time. But uh, sure, yeah. So it, this one definitely had some cool, interesting moments, and yeah, like where it was a battle of the wits. You know, uh, she did a cool thing where she blinded she blinded the 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 robo dog with like a paint can and that looked really cool that that looked cool in black and white yeah that did look cool in black so and white so right. that's the thing there was some cool looking stuff in this episode there was some cool visuals like this this was still a technically satisfactory black mirror episode story wise little blip because here's the thing why was she running from the dogs why were the dogs getting her i don't know like and like the the i'm sure the big message that this one was trying to say is like i don't know be wary of the next AI technology that you build, I guess, because it's going to chase down and kill you. But, like, me just explaining it like that, it's kind of a, a boring, like, slap-together theme for, an, for a Black Mirror episode. I think they could have done so much more with it. Yeah, well, you know, I think... I think the focus was meant to be on the survival of this woman while she's running away from this deadly military machine. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the lack of explanation behind it was, was intentional. It was definitely intentional because it was meant to, it was meant to focus just on this girl running from this machine and you, the, the mystery behind it is sort of what makes it intriguing. I don't know. I, I, Uh, I think they could have just maybe peppered in a couple of things. Like it was a short episode. Give me, give me three minutes of explanation beforehand and then boop, then do it. Give me, give me three minutes of exposition. Yeah, but does it like that's that's what I was gonna say? Is that like when you have something like that, uh, where you're where you're you've got this interesting thing that's really ab like that it's a it's a subject that you're trying to explore that needs some explanation, but you're opting out of explaining it for a dramatic effect. That there needs to be something there that backs it up, and I feel like that um, like it just wasn't it wasn't engaging enough for me to not care about the backstory of what was going on. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. Know? Uh, that's fair. So yeah, with this episode, like, like if, it, like I don't, I haven't watched the show yet. Like Amazon, I think just put out a show that's a little similar to black mirror of that. It's another anthology sci-fi horror thing. Um, is it called electric dreams or something? I'll tell you. Exa- oh, no, that's the Philip K. Dick show. I'm not uh, sure. it, it's that. I think it's that. It is okay. Yes. Uh. So yeah, I think it's the same thing. Electric Dreams, I believe. Yeah. So like, maybe this episode would have fit more in there, but I don't know what that show's like. Maybe I'll watch one after this. Uh, it, it just wasn't very on brand Black Mirror for me. You know, 
I I appreciate that they're trying to mix it up a little bit, but they they could have done a couple of different things. But yeah, we could we could beat this one to the ground for a while too. Anyway, yeah. But let's. I mean, I, I think overall, I'm just sort of sick of the post-apocalyptic uh, motif. Yeah. It, Especially after Mad Max Fury Road just did the perfect post-apocalypse I've seen, the most perfect post-apocalypse I've ever seen. And as Walking Dead is yeah halfway through season eight right now, and then they right. then Fear the Walking Dead is also out, and I'm sure there's a couple others that I can't think of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all right. We're on to episode six, the last one, Black Museum. Black Museum. So I didn't see any like promo for this one. Uh, what I thought it would have been like, I read the description and I thought that maybe it would have been like, uh, some sort of like, um, or like explorate or it said black museum. So I thought that it would be some sort of museum related to previous episodes of black mirror, which it was, and it wasn't. So the, the story of this one is basically this uh, young woman, she pulls up to this museum in the middle of the desert, and there's this really eclectic man who is the proprietor of this museum. Rollo Hayes. It's this, uh, yeah, it's this, like, uh, crime museum. Or, like, what What would you call it? Uh, yeah, a crime museum is uh, what they call it. And, yeah, like, yeah, okay. so artifacts. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's artifacts related to these weird, like, it's sort of like a Ripley's Believe It or Not thing, but a little bit more uh, sadistic and cynical. Yes. Um, it's just, it's three contained stories sort of being told by this man who had something to do with all, with all of them. Yes. Um, and the first one is about a doctor who is the first doctor who uh, was given this experimental technology that allows him to feel the pain that his patients are feeling so he can perfectly diagnose them and how that goes wrong. Uh, the second one is about a man whose girlfriend goes into a coma right after she has a kid. Um, and in order for to let her see uh, their kid again, he, ele- he opts to let her consciousness stay in his brain. And uh, he sort of has this weird um, accepted like schizophrenia sort of thing where there's this voice of his ex-girlfriend talking in his head all the time mm-hmm. uh, and then the third one is about his biggest attraction at the Black Museum which is a uh, uh, like a digital hologram of a death row inmate uh, in this fake cell that simulates him getting the electric chair so patrons at the museum or you know museum goers can go and pull a lever and give someone the electric chair and have that sort of uh, sadistic satisfaction of giving this person the electric chair and a little keychain pops out with the video of what it looked like when he was in pain. So that's really fucked up. Yeah. And then it, uh, the the big twist ending is that uh, the girl that's at this museum uh, is actually a, a relative of the death row inmate who he copied the consciousness of. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool little like revenge, revenge thriller. That and that's what I liked about this episode. You know, it uh, well, it reminded me a lot of the White Christmas episode uh from two seasons back with uh, John Hamm and what's his face, other people that were in that, uh, in that you know John Hamm tells three different stories, of the of stuff that he came across. Uh, and the and then we get the same thing with Rollo Haynes, such a fun name, played by Douglas Hodge. Of yeah, these three shorter caution like yeah, three shorter cautionary tales of the tech that developed in the past of Black Mirror. Uh, and, and it's it yeah, it's all like it. It's all sort of pieces of technology that seem like they're the primitive versions of technology that was later that was introduced in earlier Black Mirror episodes. Yeah, in the second in the second story where the girl is uh, the wife is downloaded into the uh, her husband's brain. That reminds me a lot of the one in White Christmas where the same thing happens, like mm-hmm, she, where the girl's downloaded into the little service pod, and then she like works in a refrigerator, right, and becomes. Becomes the her own version's Alexa. Um, mm-hmm. Alexa, do stuff. 
Like the ideal Alexa. Yes. Um, uh, but this this was an interesting episode, and we talked about it last night. Of, I think this was kind of a way for Charlie Brooker to put some ideas that he thought were cool ideas together and then ra- wrap it in a full bow that is the gift of Black Mirror, of using a couple like little gifts and making it one big cool, cool fun gif you know yeah you know like there has to be a black mirror recycle bin yeah there's got to be like the he there he like there has to be something like or there has to be ideas that fall by the wayside that are definitely good ideas but just couldn't be stretched into their own episode so you know i feel like this episode was a way for him to take some of his favorites and sort of weave them into a story of his own um which which uh, sort of has the episode lose some points for me in my mind uh because it's you know like there's a reason there is sort of a reason why um why they can't hold their own in their own episode and that's the thing like the very first like they got better as the episode went on but like the first one and I'll, so the first one I didn't like because that one was very fun fact, predictable actually fun fact actually was that Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller. Yes, he is the one who came up with the idea for that. Yeah, he. Yeah, so for the it first one in the credits, he wrote he wrote a short story, and he was very close to I think starring in it, or actually starring as Rollo Haynes, but that didn't happen, of course. Oh, that would have been awesome. That would have been very cool, but that didn't happen. So so was life. But like that episode, like there was a lot of exposition, and maybe so because it was adapted from a story. So I don't know how much in the story. It it's the narrator saying, and then this happened. He couldn't handle what was going on. So then he turned to this, and then he turned to that, you know, type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a lot of that in this story. I liked that as it went on, it relied a little bit less on that, I think. Or, like, it told a better story because you learned that Rollo Haynes isn't a very reliable guy. You kind of learn that he's a bit of a skis ball as opposed to a helpful person. Yeah. He's uh, sort of he he's using humans as guinea pigs is what you find out in the first one. And then that that sort of doesn't need to be explained again. Mhm. And you see like you're sort of more engrossed in it when you see that uh that he has a history of supporting things that eventually go bad. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh it gets better the episode. I honestly liked the the Pendulette story more than the second story with the annoying ex girlfriend. That's the thing. The annoying ex girlfriend one like wasn't that good either. But but here's the thing. Here's what made it good of like the last ten minutes where the the girl the girl in the museum uh, Nish played by Leticia Wright, where she just shows him like yo motherfucker I'm not from here. Um I'm his kid. Bang, yeah. bang! I'm gonna mess you up, messing with my daddy type of thing. It's cool. It's badass. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's cool revenge story. And so, and then what they did some cool stuff of they tied in other characters from before, like uh, like the ending of the second story. Uh, the the wife is downloaded into a teddy bear that her kid plays with. Uh, All right, yeah. And so, oh, so that happens. Keep going, sorry. And so like that, like so the kid, or so the the girl sees. The girl in the teddy bear, you know, sees Rollo Haynes finally meet his demise. Uh, and then the other thing of that the mom, Nisha's mom and uh, Clayton, the prisoner's uh, wife, she she commits suicide because she's so depressed of the life that happened to her husband. Uh, but she's, in fact, not dead. She is downloaded into her daughter's brain. And that was cool. And that was a very nice ending. I, I like how it mm-hmm. that all ended. Yeah. So that's the thing. That was, I mean, that was you know, another so like last n- good ending. One thing that was really cool about the episode was uh, Black Mirror's. Like in the background, you can see like a whole bunch of stuff that is an homage to earlier episodes. Like uh, there's like there's a uh, costume from one of the people who runs around with uh, uh, camera phones from White Bear. And there's a couple other things I'm gonna have to. Yeah, there there is a a plethora of there was some stuff even from this season like there was the the lollipop and the thing uh, that 
downloads people and like the game piece in general for or, uh, for the USS Callister, even like just a bloody bathtub in Crocodile that was in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the broken iPad from Archangel that was that was uh, oh it was in there. Yep, okay. that was shown. Cool. Yes, there was a lot of little Easter eggs, and that that would, that's been actually a divisive thing among some fans of like. I don't want Black Mirror to be in a connected universe. I want them to all be standalone stories. I don't think it'll be successful if it if they do kind of put everything together because it makes you wonder how it all works. Like uh, like they have a someone's reading a comic from uh, what happens in the fifteen million merits from season one where that was like very much in the future, and then like the boyfriend in the second story of uh, of Black Museum is reading it. And then he's you, reading a comic called 15 million merits. Yeah. And then you just wonder, wait, yeah. is this true? What's happening? Are they all just fun Easter eggs? Is Charlie Brooker just trying to mess with us? Yeah. It's just a, this weird, like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, that's the fun of Easter eggs. It's, it's like this surreal sort of, um, existence of all these stories and how, how are, how are, he's just finding like, you know, the, the one of the different things about Black Mirror is how unrelated all the stories are. That when when you find a way to relate them all somehow, it it's intriguing. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's one of this episode's strong suits. Yeah, and so this is the last episode of it. So we're not going to get Black Mirror for at least another year. Um, so to to wrap things up. Season overall, how'd you feel? I like this season. I would say that I liked last season a lot better. Sure. Um, because it had such... It, there was there was one episode I didn't like last season. Which was? Uh, which was Men Against Fire. I just thought... I yeah, I would put Men Against Fire along with uh, Metalhead, to be honest. I, I really just didn't... Was that the soldier um, one? That's the one with the soldiers. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't. Um, that was a good episode, man. I I I thought the concept was engaging, but the story itself was not uh, that great. I didn't think it was very well acted. Um, That's fair. But yeah, so nosedive, playtest, shut up and dance, San Junipero, and hated in the nation are all ten out of tens for me. They're they're all way more um, robust episodes than yeah some of the ones that we mentioned, like you know Archangel and Crocodile. And Metalhead, not necessarily the most robust. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I would have to say that Shut Up and Dance is probably my favorite um, Black Mirror episode. Okay, uh, and so so maybe I'm a little biased there because the last season had my favorite episode in it. But um, I I liked the season. I mean, it's still Black Mirror, even when Black Mirror's like not as good. It's still like a lot better than 90% of the shit that you watch on a regular basis, you know? Sure, sure. So it's nice to have this little little treat come out, these like this a treat of six episodes come out uh, every one and a half to two years. Yeah, and the, the fun of Black Mirror that I guess I didn't enjoy or didn't do with when these came out, I really watched those randomly. You know, I, I watched like, I didn't watch like Hated in the Nation and White Christmas until like a few weeks ago. Um, and those were like the last of season two and three, respectively. Uh, but this one overall, I think it's them trying to reach a mainstream audience. Charlie Brooker really trying to experiment a little bit with different subgenres within horror. Uh, mm-hmm. and some work. Yeah, some I don't. think this one definitely did take um a horror route. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, I liked I liked the horror elements of playtest in the last season. And I think, um, this season it carried over some of those elements and sort of, uh, applied them to new themes and new stories and new motifs. Um, sometimes, sometimes it was good and other times it, it fell flat. Sure. Um, cause it, like, I think black mirror is at its strongest when it's either, either like a, a thriller or more of like a dark comedy. Uh, huh. Um and horror horror the the Black Mirror episodes that sort of lean more towards the horror aspect I believe uh 
to be some of the weaker ones, even though I really did like Playtest. But, of course, this isn't a review of Season 3. So, yeah, or Season 4, yeah. Or, so, yeah, we're talking Season 4. Um, so, I'm going to tell you, I'm before we before we end things, I'm going to just tell you the ranking of mine. Uh, my favorite, Hang the DJ. Least favorite is Metalhead. Uh, number two, USS Callister. Uh, I would say number three, I thought Archangel was cool. Uh, four, Black Museum. Five, Crocodile. And like I said, six, Metalhead. Dude, we have the same list. Wait, we do? Yeah, our our rankings are the same. That's really funny, because we didn't even show these to each other. Like, yeah, we we decided to not tell each other the rankings when we made these before the episode. I thought you would have had Black Museum higher. No. Um, well, actually, I, like, I'm actually going to amend it right now and say that uh, Black Museum is number three and Archangel would be number four. Yeah, damn. Snake, worm, um, spineless. Not not because we have the same list. Stand behind uh, your decision. I actually... Uh, well, no, it just after this conversation we've had about Black Museum and Archangel, I realized they should be flopped. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, um, because I, I like Black Museum as, like... Even even if it wasn't the strongest and it sort of seemed like it was uh like he was dipping his hand into the black mirror recycle bin a little bit. It is sort of this um He still tells a cool story. It's a, yeah, it's like a little time capsule of uh things that have come before it. And also I guess and we didn't there's, we, oh sorry. There's just little Easter eggs peppered throughout of previous Black Mirror episodes and I I dig that. I dig that it's sort of uh self aware in that way. And I guess uh the the message we didn't discuss with the message of Black Museum is what read the terms and conditions or be wary before you try new products otherwise you'll get screwed over right yeah it's i i think um i it, it's a theme that's in a lot of black mirror episodes where it's like uh we we get so caught up in wanting to innovate and wanting to uh wanting to improve upon something that we never stop back and ask should we be innovating or improving upon what this is or like uh, it's like improve it now. We'll worry about the side effects later. The entire time, it's I like just nowhere. I just thought these guys need to read the terms and conditions. Yeah. <laughs> before they sign up for it, because literally it's just them signing up for different things, and then it doesn't go right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Well, hey. Uh. We could listen and talk about Black Mirror all day, and we've been talking about it a lot. Mm, yeah. So. We've been your DJs. Please don't hang, don't hang us. us. Please don't hang <laughs> us. Hang out with us. Get us a beer. I like IPAs. I'm I'm a 40-year-old dad. Uh Yeah. Well, uh we'll be piloting the USS Moreau uh on Space Fleet later tonight. Yes, we will. Well, hey guys, until next time, I've been the digital consciousness of Patrick Baylor. I've been the digital consciousness of Mason Moreau. And you've been listening to the Son of a Ginger podcast.